More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. This is Kelly, and I'm glad that you're joining me on the podcast today. We're kicking off episode nine, and I'm excited about today's episode. But before I get to that, I want to thank everybody who has joined the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group so far. I've been having a great time this week interacting with survivors, answering questions, and uh, hearing people's stories. It's awesome that we can share there. And so if you haven't joined the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, you can do that. Now, it is a private group, so you can find a link to the group in the show notes for today's episode or search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook, and you can request to join the group there. I do have to approve you. I'm trying to keep unsafe people out, like people who just want to troll and say mean things to survivors. You're not going to find any of that in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And so I'd love for you to join. Just request that today. I will approve it and we can all start interacting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode or any episode that you listen to. And I'd also love to hear about what you would like to hear on the podcast. Any ideas that you have for episodes, questions you would like answered or something you want us to cover here on Survivor Sanctuary, you can let me know on the Facebook group or of course you can always send an email to kelly at survivorsanctuary.com. So I want to kick off today's episode with a segment that I am going to call, This Has Nothing to Do with Abuse. Sometimes things are going on in my life and I want to share them with you. And they're not necessarily about surviving sexual abuse in the church. uh, But today, this is just what I've been dealing with. So I am going to share it with you. So my nephew is staying with me right now. And he decided a few months ago that it would be a really great idea to adopt a puppy because every homeless 18-year-old obviously needs a puppy. That's just the logical next step. Don't have a place to live, don't have a job, think I should get a puppy. So yeah, I have a puppy now, essentially. And basically, she has eaten everything that I own. Now, I will say this. She is a little pit mix, sweetest puppy I have ever encountered. She has the best disposition, super loving, super sweet. You just look at her face and you melt. And that's a good thing because if I didn't look at her face and melt, I would probably have murdered her a couple of weeks ago because basically she has just eaten everything that I own. Everything. I discovered a shoe graveyard in my closet yesterday. I was pretty depressed. I mean, it was nice of her that two of the three pairs of shoes that she ate were flip-flops, so that saved me some money. But one of them was a brand new pair of Fergie high heels. Ladies, you'll know what I'm talking about. They were brand new. I had never worn them, and she ate the heel off of one of them. So yeah, that's where I'm at in my life right now. Basically, everything in my home has been eaten by the pup. Everything except the microphone and my laptop, so thankfully, I can still record this podcast for the foreseeable future. So when I adopted my Great Dane, who is now, uh, goodness, going on six and a half years old, uh, a wise friend said to me, puppies are cute because they have to be. 
It's a survival mechanism. And he was right, because if they were not cute, they would not last two weeks. They just wouldn't. You're not cute. Goodbye, puppy. We would, we would probably just make dogs extinct if puppies weren't adorable, because otherwise they would just be ugly little destructive creatures and, you know, not quite as cute. But she looks at me, that sweet little innocent face. She's like, I'm sorry that I've eaten all your stuff and you're going to be broke and bankrupt because you have to rebuy everything you own. But I'm cute. Wags that little tail. And yes, she definitely is. So that is it for this segment of this has nothing to do with abuse. Unless this dog keeps it up. I'm totally kidding. Not advocating abusing animals would never do that. I just might need to find some puppy sedatives. If you know a guy, let me know. So I'm excited to dive into today's episode, episode nine already, kind of crazy to think about. Um, I have entitled it, Sexual Abuse is a Liar. And well, the reason for that is there are a lot of lies that sexual abuse tells us. It whispers in our ear different things throughout our lifetimes that become really ingrained into our hearts and our souls and our psyches. And they get rooted in so deep that sometimes we don't even realize we have these beliefs and that they were planted there essentially by sexual abuse. So what got me started thinking about this is, well, one, I interact with survivors quite a bit and there seem to be some very common themes. And I tweeted about the episode that I did on Jimmy Hinton's podcast a couple of weeks ago. And Tiffany Thigpen, who is a survivor of sexual assault, and she's also an advocate, she listened to the podcast and she left a comment. Now, in this podcast, I had talked about how I felt like I didn't deserve to seek justice for what happened to me. I felt like I didn't deserve to ruin my abuser's life by telling people what he had done. And so Tiffany left a comment and she said, it never ceases to amaze me how as victims of this horrendous crime, we always feel the same unworthiness. It's such a common thread and we did nothing wrong. And I started to think about that and I wanted that to be the topic of today's podcast. So I'll call it part one of sexual abuse is a big fat liar. We are going to talk about the lie of unworthiness. And I'm calling it part one because there are quite a few lies that sexual abuse tells us, and I couldn't unpack them all in a single episode. In fact, a lot of us probably have different lies that sexual abuse has told us, but I believe that unworthiness is a universal feeling that is shared by survivors of sexual abuse. In fact, it's shared by all of humanity. There's not a person on the planet who has not dealt with or who will not deal with feeling some unworthiness in their lives. But with sexual abuse survivors, it seems to be something that we just deal with at a greater rate and every single one of us can completely relate. And again, your mileage may vary in the exact way that unworthiness shows up in your life and in your mind and in your heart, but it is there and it's something that we share. And so I wanted to unpack it a little bit today and talk about unworthiness. And I wanted to try to answer the question that Tiffany Thigpen posed. And I guess it wasn't exactly a question. She just said it never ceases to amaze her how as victims of sexual abuse, we always feel the same unworthiness. So why is that? Why does sexual abuse lie to us and tell us you are unworthy? 
Well, I think the first reason is pretty obvious. It's the abuse itself. And this was actually the answer that I gave to Tiffany on Twitter. I said, it's definitely a recurring theme for so many of us, maybe because our bodies and souls were used and discarded without any thought to the consequences for us. That kind of treatment leaves a serious impression. And I think that that's where it all begins for us. Because when somebody abuses you, when somebody uses your body for their own pleasure and doesn't give a thought to how it might affect you, that basically says to you, I am unworthy. I'm not worthy for this person to not abuse me. I'm not worthy for this person to treat me with respect and dignity and to treat me as a person who is created in the image of God, a person who is worthy. And I think that that's how it starts. And it kind of gets just ingrained in us. And I know that as a six-year-old for me, my, my brain was still developing. I was still learning my core beliefs about life. And so unworthiness became one of my core beliefs. I am not worthy. Now, did I walk around saying to myself all the time, I am not worthy? Absolutely not. But did unworthiness show up in my life as a theme for the rest of my life? Yes, it did. So when I started to see a therapist and I began to heal from sexual abuse, I began to read a lot about sexual abuse. It didn't take me very long to realize that I had some vulnerabilities that made me a little more susceptible to abuse than some people. Now, some of this in my mind was, okay, I had flaws that made me more susceptible or more vulnerable to abuse. That's another lie that sexual abuse tells us, essentially that we somehow brought it on ourselves. But I do remember struggling with this feeling. So not only was I abused, and that makes me feel unworthy just because I was abused without a thought, but... Now I realize that there were things about me that made me more vulnerable to abuse. And so this was the second lie that sexual abuse began to tell me. And I thought, okay, I came from a dysfunctional family, so I was dysfunctional. I was one of five kids, so I was starved for attention. And I loved that an adult paid attention to me, that he thought that I was a great person. He treated me as though I were someone special. And I loved that. Now, are those bad feelings for me to have? Was that a flaw in my character? Absolutely not. We were created to enjoy other people. We were created to love and to be loved. And I allowed myself to be vulnerable and to trust because at six years old, I didn't know what else to do, but to trust and to love. And so that's what I did. And it was used against me. So when I started to read that some people can be more vulnerable to abuse than others, that planted another seed that kind of said, all right, so not only were you abused, but there was something wrong with you and that made you more susceptible to abuse. Now it is true that some people can be more vulnerable to abuse. For instance, if you have a developmental delay, you're statistically at a higher risk of sexual abuse than a person who does not. If you look at the Jerry Sandusky case, and I'm just saying that because it's you know a prominent one that most people have probably heard of, um, Jerry Sandusky was able to groom all of his victims and was able to amass his victims because he actually 
ran an organization for underprivileged boys. And that was how he was able to find access to them. And that was how he was able to groom victims and to victimize boys. So, you know, maybe some of them came from a troubled home. Maybe they didn't have a dad in the house. Maybe their parents had gone through a tragic divorce or perhaps they'd lost one of their parents to a death. Whatever the case, they were vulnerable to being abused because of some of the things that they had already gone through in their lives. And that can be a recurring theme with abuse as well. Now, I do want to say sexual abuse can happen to anyone. And so even if some people might be a little more vulnerable to it, uh, it does not respect any class, any race, any religion. It just doesn't. Absolutely anyone can experience sexual abuse whether they have vulnerabilities about them or not. But it's a lie that sexual abuse whispered in my ear. You are unworthy because A, you were abused, and B, there was something flawed about you that made it easier for someone to victimize you. Now, I do want to reiterate that we're talking about lies that sexual abuse tells us. And I'll get to why they're lies and kind of how we can unpack that, But I just wanted to share what I think is kind of like the triple threat of a lie that sexual abuse feeds us, that we are unworthy. So whatever made us vulnerable to the abuse makes us unworthy. The abuse itself makes us unworthy. And number three, what we've done in reaction to the abuse. For instance, uh, well, I mean, we all have coping mechanisms. Once you're abused, there are things that you do just to survive and just to get through it that may not serve you well in life. I know for me, right away, something that I began dealing with was disordered eating. Now, up until the time I was abused, I pretty much hated eating and I hated food. It was just something that was, it bothered me. I was super picky. I hated everything. I just wanted to skip mealtime altogether. I wanted to play. I had better things to do. But once I had been abused, I began with this pattern of pretty bad disordered eating. And it started with a night that the abuser came to my house. And I'm assuming that he came to the house. It was very soon after one of the times he had abused me. And I figured he was there because he wanted to continue what he'd been doing to me. And I realized that if I sat at the dining room table with my parents, that nothing bad could happen to me. I could just stay right there. And if I didn't get up, I wouldn't end up alone in a room with him. And so I sat there and I remember my mom serving like cake and ice cream. I don't know if it was somebody's birthday. I don't remember, but we even have pictures of that night where I'm just like shoving this bite of cake into my mouth. And this kid who didn't like eating and didn't want to be bothered with it became a kid who very much comforted herself with food. And that began a lifetime of disordered eating. And that's a common theme for many people who have been sexually abused, whether they're not eating enough or they're eating too much, uh, but some kind of disordered eating. For some people, it could be another substance like drugs, or maybe someone has turned to alcohol to kind of numb the pain and the memories. And so sexual abuse begins to whisper in our ear that not only are you unworthy because you were abused, but you're unworthy because you have become this person, this person who drinks too much, this person who does drugs, this person who eats too much or too little. Another thing that happened with me and that was a real source of unworthiness in my life for a really long time was I became very much a harsh uh, person and especially with the opposite sex. 
it was something that changed in me very rapidly. And of course it wasn't conscious. I didn't know that this, what I was doing, but I began to realize immediately that being vulnerable had gotten me into trouble. And so I needed to keep from being vulnerable, especially with the opposite sex. So I began to be harsh in my relationships with men, whether they were family members or friends. I just had sort of a combative attitude and an attitude of, I don't need help and I don't need you for anything. And I'm not going to show that I'm vulnerable in any way, shape or form. So that was something that I dealt with. And it was an extra layer of shame when I started getting this negative feedback. And I began to have trouble in my relationships because of it, because I I mean, let's just be real, uh, especially when it comes to the opposite sex, you're not going to win a lot of friends when you refuse to be vulnerable at all. And I didn't know that I was doing it, but I definitely subconsciously knew that I could not show this emotional vulnerability because to do so was to put myself in danger because I had done that once and I had been super vulnerable. I was just delighted by my abuser. He was funny. He made me laugh. He paid special attention to me. And I just felt like an important person and someone who was loved and cherished. And I was trusting and vulnerable with him. And that's a good thing. You know, those are good ways to be, to trust and to be vulnerable. But he used those things against me in such a wicked way that it warped them in my mind. And it told me that to be vulnerable and to be trusting with a man would lead to destruction, basically, would lead to danger. So this was something that I dealt with a lot. So uh, we do different things in reaction to being abused. Uh, I mentioned a few of them here. You probably have a list of your own because that was definitely not an exhaustive list. I mean, there are coping mechanisms that we have that a lot of times end up causing problems in our lives. So in addition to the abuse, we have these things that we've done in reaction to the abuse. And then also what our bodies and minds have done in reaction to the abuse. Things that, you know, you couldn't say like, all right, so you pick up the alcohol and drink it. So possibly you have some control over that. But what about when your body or your mind changes in reaction to sexual abuse? There are people who have mental health disorders and mental illnesses as a result of being abused. Um, Maybe you struggle with an anxiety disorder. I've shared on the podcast before that I have an anxiety disorder, and that's something that I have struggled with for many years. And uh, perhaps you have depression, uh, some sort of illness, like a physical illness, because uh, science is showing us more and more and more that adverse childhood experiences can lead to physical illness. It is not healthy for your body to be stuck in a constant state of fight or flight, having those stress hormones coursing throughout your body when there's no real danger, but your brain thinks the threat is there. It wreaks havoc on your body. So as a survivor of trauma and sexual abuse definitely applies as trauma, you're at a greater risk for developing certain illnesses and diseases. And so we have kind of this triple triple whammy. A, you did something that made you more vulnerable to abuse. There was some flaw in you that made this person pick you to abuse. Second, you were abused. That definitely makes you unworthy. And third, the things that you did in reaction to the abuse make you unworthy as well. So these are the lies that abuse is throwing at us all the time. You are 
unworthy. And I say it's a lie because I believe a hundred thousand percent that it is a lie. You know, unworthiness isn't a thing like that you can touch. Unworthiness is just a belief. And so when we're abused, we develop this belief system that is completely faulty and that tells us that we're not worthy. So maybe sexual abuse has told you that you're not worthy of healing. Maybe you're struggling because you're not sure that it's worth the money or the time to make a commitment to go and see a therapist. Maybe you're thinking, you know, is it worth it? I could use this money for something else. My family might need it for something else. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a lie that sexual abuse is telling you. You're unworthy of healing. You're unworthy of taking care of yourself. You're unworthy of healthy relationships. You're unworthy of protection. You're unworthy of justice. There are so many different ways that we can feel unworthy as survivors of sexual abuse or as victims of sexual abuse. And it's something that we have to fight back against in our lives as we begin to heal because it's something that's going to keep bubbling to the surface for us. Now, I didn't necessarily know for years that I struggled with unworthiness. Uh, I knew that there were negative thoughts in my mind. Um, I knew that there were kind of things going on beneath the surface. I didn't really unpack what they were, but I began to see how deep a root that feeling of unworthiness had taken in my life when I started the healing process. And I wanted to share a little bit about some things that I've done and that other people can do to start to gain a little bit of victory over those feelings of unworthiness. Now, I want to say I am definitely not a mental health professional, so I'm just letting you know I say that a lot, and it's because I never want any anything I say to you to be taken as the advice of a professional because I'm definitely not one. But I also like to share things that have helped in my own life because I know that they've worked for me and maybe they'll work for somebody else. And also, I'd love for you to share things that have worked for you. Maybe you have a way of combating that feeling of unworthiness that seems to be prevalent with sexual abuse survivors. And I would absolutely love for you to share that. You can share it on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group and uh, we can all interact there. You can talk about uh, any suggestions or tips or things that have worked for you and maybe that can help somebody else. So that's always a good idea. But there are a few things that I have tried that have actually helped me to gain a little bit of victory over this lie that sexual abuse tells us, that you are unworthy. And I do want to say that I'm not sure this is something I'm ever going to have complete freedom over. Like, I wish that I could be one of those people that's just like motivational speaker, and I'm like, girl, wash your face. Just stop feeling unworthy. And then, ta-da, you're healed and you're cured and all that good stuff. But I know that that's not helpful, and it's not true. Um, there's a chance that we are all going to struggle with feelings of unworthiness at times in our life. And I think it's part of the human condition. If I can just say that we all feel that way sometimes because unworthiness is just a belief. So it's something that we kind of get in our own heads and it's something that could be popping up to the surface, bubbling up that you might deal with from time to time. And you may have really great victory over it sometimes. And then other days you might feel like, oh goodness, I'm back to feeling unworthy at square one. I'm still fighting with this. And I know that it can get frustrating, but that's why I like to say that healing is a process. 
It's not a destination. It's more of a journey. And when you can keep that in mind, it helps you get through those times when you feel like, I don't want to call it relapsing because that just sounds terrible, but there are sometimes you're going to feel super amazing. You're going to be like, what? I can't believe I ever thought that I was unworthy of anything. I'm amazing. And one day you could feel that way. And a week later you could be like, oh my goodness, I feel like I haven't made any progress at all. It's just, it's life. And we're going to have our ups and downs. Some days we're going to feel amazing and some days not so much, but something that has helped me to combat feelings of unworthiness. Well, I'll say just the knowledge that unworthiness is a feeling that can really be implanted in us when we're sexually abused that can kind of be buried deep inside our minds and our hearts. And it's something that we start to believe because of that. Just knowing that that is the root cause has helped me some because I can identify those thoughts and those feelings of unworthiness. Like I'll hear myself saying them. When I was on Jimmy Hinton's podcast um, week before last, I remember I'm hearing myself saying things and knowing this is a lie that sexual abuse told me. This is the lie that I'm unworthy. And it's not that I'm struggling with that necessarily in the moment. It's just that it's a part of my story because that's what I've experienced. So acknowledging that feelings of unworthiness are our personal beliefs and they are beliefs that were ingrained in us when we were abused, that can help right there help you to identify those feelings of unworthiness that you have. So for me, unworthiness has told me things like, you don't deserve a good relationship, or you're unworthy because you reacted to abuse in this way, or you're unworthy because of blank. And one thing that I've learned to do, and that has helped me quite a bit, and that I've actually heard quite a few survivors say has helped them, are affirmations. Now, I know if you're not somebody that's uh, used to reciting affirmations to yourself, you might be rolling your eyes. And trust me, the first time somebody suggested that I say an affirmation or write an affirmation or anything like that, I definitely rolled my eyes. I am one of the most sarcastic people in the whole entire world. So it was very difficult for me to sit down and write out affirmations and then even more difficult to say them out loud to myself. But honestly, it's something that has really, really worked in sort of shifting that core belief that I am unworthy, that sexual abuse has been telling me my entire life. So this doesn't have to be any super weird, mystical thing. Uh, An affirmation is pretty simple. Uh, Basically, we just need to choose a negative thought that we have about ourselves and write down the positive opposite. So maybe you're thinking, ugh, I'm unworthy because I make mistakes all the time. Then you could write an affirmation that's the positive opposite of that saying, I'm capable and I'm experienced and I'm worthy. And it's that simple. So I think that a good exercise, and I'm not trying to give you homework here, so don't freak out. (laughs) But if you want to do it and you think that you might uh, try it and see if it helps you at all, uh, then I would say definitely go for it. Uh, But one thing that I would do is write down those negative beliefs, because sometimes just when you think them, you can sort of lose them. When you start to really unpack those kind of limiting beliefs that you have surrounding unworthiness, you're going to be surprised at some of the stuff that comes up. So maybe just write down the limiting beliefs surrounding unworthiness. And a limiting belief is basically just any negative belief that limits you somehow. And feeling like you're unworthy, 
I promise is definitely limiting you. So I started by writing down, okay, what are my core beliefs? And today we're tackling unworthiness. So that's a great place to start. What does abuse tell you about unworthiness? If you feel unworthy or that's something that you struggle with, why? And I know for me, it would be something like, I am unworthy because I was sexually abused and treated like garbage. And that's a belief that might be very prevalent. I mean, it might stick below the surface a lot, but it's something that's actually there lingering or has been in the past. So I would write that down and then write the positive opposite of that. If you like to look to scripture, then you can look at scripture that tells you you're created in the image of God, that you have his attributes and that he loves you with an unfailing love. And you could use that as the positive opposite. Then it can just be any positive opposite of the thing that you have written down that is a limiting negative belief surrounding unworthiness. Or you can do this with any any sort of negative belief or negative thought. It doesn't just have to be surrounding unworthiness. So I did this. I wrote down a bunch of negative core beliefs that I have, and I'm not going to share them all in the podcast. This is not Kelly is going to regurgitate all of her struggles uh, on the podcast today. Not going to happen, but I wrote them all down. And then I had a column to the right of those statements And I wrote the positive opposite of those statements. And just reading that to yourself, the positive ones, every single day can make such a huge impact. You can even just take like one affirmation a day and just say it to yourself. And it's kind of weird at first, I'm going to be honest. It was really difficult for me to say anything positive about myself. I would roll my eyes. I would immediately get like all these feelings of anxiety and just resistance. There was so much resistance because I'm like, this is weird and it's dumb and I'm not doing it. And it's so much more fun to be sarcastic and talk about how much I suck, but it doesn't help me in the healing process. So I committed to doing it. And I will tell you that these affirmations have actually really, really helped me. And not only do they help you to think more positive things about yourself, but another thing that I've noticed is that I will also just recognize those negative beliefs when they come up and I'll catch myself. And it has changed the way that I think. It really honestly has. And I'm not saying that I don't struggle with any feelings of unworthiness because I've done some affirmations. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I have seen a definite positive impact. Just being aware anytime you have a negative thought that bubbles to the surface. And we're so used to thinking them that it's like breathing to us. We don't even notice that we're doing it. But once I started paying attention to what my limiting negative beliefs were surrounding unworthiness or anything in my entire life, those core beliefs that are just, that basically say I'm not worthy, I started to notice when I was thinking them. I started to notice what I say about myself on a regular basis. I started to notice when other people would say things and I would catch myself more and more and more often. And I definitely now have much more positive thinking happening every single day. I'm not saying that it's all perfect and it's all roses and I don't have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm a mess. I will say though that I have much more positive thinking and 
much less negativity and negative core beliefs than I did before. And I think that's pretty awesome. And I will find myself trying to grasp for a positive instead of a negative in situations. And I don't even notice that I'm doing it because it's something you're basically retraining your brain where you would default to a negative thought pattern in the past. When you start to practice saying these truths to yourself, then you begin a pattern of defaulting to those positives. It's a really simple exercise. It's not like rocket science or anything like that, but it's just something that I found has really, really helped me. But even if you don't go the affirmation route, I think it's probably a good exercise to just try and identify what those core beliefs that you have are, those negative beliefs that you have that have been whispered into your mind and into your heart since somebody used you for something so awful because that wasn't your fault. It had nothing to do with you or your unworthiness. And that's something that's really tough for us survivors to come to because we just think there's something wrong with me for somebody to do something like that to me, for somebody to think it would be okay. uh, There has to be something wrong with me, or it was my fault that I was abused. Or if I had just done X, Y, Z, I could have prevented it. There are so many things that sexual abuse is saying to us so many lies that it just repeats to us over and over and over again. And it's so helpful to just identify what those are. You'll start catching them. You'll start catching them as they float to the surface and kind of you know, like a pool filter just filters out all the gross stuff in your pool that you don't want to see. It's like that. You'll start to have that filter where you can see through this lens of truth instead of the lie that you're unworthy because it is a lie. You are worthy. You are created in the image of God, which means that you have uh, his attributes and you're an amazing human being. And yes, we've gone through some yuck stuff. We've gone through some things that are so damaging and that nobody should have to go through, but none of what you've gone through means you're unworthy. You are worthy exactly the way that you are. And so that is today's episode. Sexual abuse is a big fat liar because you are worthy. I want to thank you so much for letting me chat. And I would love to hear your thoughts in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. If uh, you have any personal experience where something you've done has really helped you to combat the lies that sexual abuse tells you, or maybe there's an exercise you do that you think would be helpful for other people, or if you just want to unpack some more of it, I'd love to chat with you in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. Well, enjoy the rest of today, and I'll catch you back here next time on Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.